Uh, Jack, Jack, quick moment of your time, please. How does it feel to finally discover the Villa Talks podcast? Um, best day of my life. Great, there you have it. Back to you at the studio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Villa Talks podcast, another episode of the Lockdown Lowdown, another frustrating game for Aston Villa, another loss at home. It's three in a row now, uh, a little bit concerning. A game really where we were much the better side for most of the game and just didn't manage to uh, finish off our chances. I've got the uh, usual crew with me today. I've got Jugsy and Chadzi who are going to talk through the game. Uh, we'll go in a little bit of detail about the various talking points uh, and probably the best place to start is that the biggest talking point uh, is is the one at the right at the end the, the VAR call Chadzi give me your give me your thoughts on 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 the call do you understand why it was reversed or are you still a little bit aggrieved uh aggrieved mate to be honest yeah i think um the referees made the decision that it's a foul it is a foul in the box if that happens anywhere else on the pitch it's a definite free kick so that's why he is he's given the foul. Um, if it's anywhere else on the pitch, it's not reviewed by VAR because it's a foul. And um, the fact that it has been reviewed has obviously put an element of doubt in, in Michael Oliver's head. But I think there's still so much doubt on whether it, it was a penalty or not, whether it was a foul or not, that that clearly shows it shouldn't have gone to VAR. Because the whole point of VAR is that it's to correct clear and obvious errors. You know, things that are completely... Uh, bad bad mistakes by the referee and, and clear and obvious errors is pretty self-explanatory. And that isn't a clear and obvious error, so VAR shouldn't get involved. It's not about re-refereeing the game all the time or else we just lose the impacts of um, what football's all about and that moment, that emotion. And, and if we re-referee every important incident, people will fall out of love with the game as they already are. So, no, it's a penalty. Um, and the most disappointing thing for me is that and when I say disappointing, I mean absolutely infuriating. Michael Oliver goes over to watch it on the screen because he's been advised to, fair enough. And when he watches it back, he doesn't even watch the full clip. As soon as he sees Solly March touch the ball, which he does, he turns around and just marches back and, and reverses his decision. He doesn't actually watch the rest of the clip where he follows through, kicks Trezeguet in the leg. And unless I don't understand the rules of football, you can't kick somebody in the leg. Um, whether you've clipped the ball before or not. So, penalty and, uh, yeah, still still aggrieved, to be honest, but what can you do? As a, as a former former professional rugby player, I mean, we've seen rugby implement this kind of technology really well um, and, and adopted it and it's been successful and, and you know, there's not, there's less controversially, let's put it that way, around that kind of technology in rugby when compared to football. Do you think it's the fact that we're still learning how to use it or do you think there's lessons to be learned from rugby about how to implement it? Both, definitely both. I think rugby has got it right in that you can hear the communication between the fourth official, the video ref and the referee on the pitch and people in the stadium can even hear it as well. So it's, it's sort of piped in. You can hear the conversations that are going on and there's no sort of, secrecy about the decisions and how they're coming coming to reach them. Rugby's slightly different in that you might score four or five tries in a game, there's 30, 40 points, whereas in football, it's usually defined by one key moment or one goal is usually the deciding factor. So there's so much more riding on those decisions. Um, 
So it's very difficult to compare the two, but football hasn't got it right at the moment. It, it's supposed to be there for clearing obvious errors and it seems to be that it's interfering as much as possible um, to sort of justify itself and its existence and all of the money that's been pumped into it. So, um, yeah, it is a learning curve and there's going to be plenty more conversations like this up and down the country from fans of every single team for the next couple of years. And I suppose unless there's a huge U-turn and they just get rid of it altogether, there's going to be um, yeah a long, long, steep learning curve ahead. Jugsy, you said uh, on, on our chat yesterday that you could probably see why it was reversed. Um, uh, and were you surprised it was given in the first place? Given that, I mean, there was an obvious touch on the ball, but at the same time, there was a, a pretty blatant kick afterwards. I mean, were you surprised or what yeah, were your thoughts? I think I'm similar into the opinion of Chadzi. I think it was a definite foul. Um, Trezeguet did exaggerate his sort of movement with, with his sort of dive, but anywhere else on the pitch and that's a foul. But I think the reason why I was like, that's going to get overturned was once you look at that in slow motion and different angles, it was in the favour of the Brighton player because he showed him having a touch and he's not won the ball. Like Trezeguet is still in control of that ball. So he's still bringing that ball back to himself. But that touch just puts that doubt into Michael Oliver, Oliver's mind. And to give a, a last minute pen where there's a way of getting out of it and not looking like the bad guy, I mean, it was just a cop-out, I thought. And I, that's what, that's the reason I thought that Oliver gave it. He, he, I mean, I overturned it. He just simply bottled it for me. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it wasn't it remi- clear and obvious at all. Like It rem- reminds me of the uh, the uh, Johnton tackler against, for Birmingham City against Villa, if you remember when Milner scored the penalty yeah. 1-0, where he, he fouled Gabby, but he got touched on the ball, but then the ball was still in control. Gabby still had control of the ball. And then, I mean, there was no VAR then, obviously, but... Yeah. Um, you know, it was you know Birmingham fans will still say it was never a foul, or whatever. But the fact is, Gabby was still through on goal even after the touch on the ball. I think, and then he then he took him out. So it's one of those, isn't it? I mean, if 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 that if um, Solly Marsh, it was, I think it was Solly Marsh, yeah. wasn't it? If he doesn't kick him, Trezeguet, then you know he's still got control of the ball. He's still got a chance to do something with the ball. So for that very reason, I, yeah, I think it's um, you've just got yeah, to look at Solly Marsh's reaction in the incident. Yeah. He puts yeah, his hands hand straight up in the air. Yeah. He drugs sort of trots off towards the um, touchline. He doesn't complain to the referee. He puts his head in his hands and realizes what he's done. It's another last minute um, sort of decision that's hopefully going to go against Brighton. He he knows he's fouled him, and I think the referee should look at player reactions just as much as a little clip on the ball and everything else when they when they review it. So. But it's not meant to be for us this week, and I'm sure we might get one or two. Hopefully, they go our way at some point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like I said. Uh, I said yesterday when I was on uh, doing another podcast. Um, you know, I'm not too disheartened about the the result um, or the performance. Really, I thought I, I knew we'd be tired coming back from the international break. And, and you're right. You know, uh, Jugsy made this point yesterday to us that you know if you're if you're a team that's going to be successful then you're going to have international players. So you have to get used to the fact that there's going to be players away during the international break, whereas Brighton obviously were much fresher. But I just knew players like McGinn, especially playing a lot of minutes for Scotland, you know, they they weren't going to be fresh and it was going to be difficult for us, especially Brighton keep the ball really well. But I was actually really surprised with our first half performance. I thought we played really well and could have easily been three or four nil up, really. And, And the only chance they had apart from... Mopai coming through on goal and, and Martinez coming out well was was the was the goal was the Danny Welbeck chance. Jugsy, what were your what were your thoughts overall in the first half and half time? What what were you thinking? 
Yeah, I was uh, really disappointed to go in 1-0 down. I thought we played really well. And it was a good end-to-end game, quite entertaining. Uh, both teams had decent enough chances and we just didn't take our chances. I thought Trezeguet um, had an excellent first half and his chance, like four yards out. I think the first chance was easy as well. He just put it in the middle of the goal where the defender was. And then it, when it came back on his left foot, I'm just surprised he didn't took it away, to be honest. It was, yeah, it was pretty poor. But yeah, their goal, I think, was just, again, another naive goal we've gave, gave away. And I mean, I think Mings has been sort of scapegoated by a lot of fans, but it was a collective sort of uh, error where Mings and Cash weren't on the co- cover. Concerts just pressed on Maupe too early because they're in their own half. There's no reason to press him that that tightly. And we've just lost our shape and Welbeck's gone in behind and obviously Mings hasn't got the re- recovery pace. And uh, it was a good finish, to be fair, by Welbeck. I was probably going to doubt that he'd, he'd be able to tuck that away. Uh, but I thought, yeah, Martinez, again, unlucky. I mean, he's come out, he's sort of dominated his his, his box. He's come out early to, to snuff out Malpay. And then he's got beaten by a good finish by Welbeck and a sort of top bins finished by Solly March. So he's been unlucky again. But I thought the first half, we played really well. Um, I thought Jack, even though he didn't look himself, he looked a bit leggy. He wasn't looking, looking to take the ball, looking, not, looking, to, looking to take on players. But when he got the ball, he just had that bit of quality and he created a lot of chances. And uh, again, I think we were lucky with the Watkins and um, Ben White uh, effort where Ben White just got a toe in front and hit the post. Another day that goes in, but Watkins gets in front of him and it's a pen. So that, that could have gone either way. So yeah, a bit, a bit of luck, I thought, that was, was the difference in the first half. Chadzi, what were your thoughts on the, on their goal, that, that first goal? I mean, it's really schoolboy defending, isn't it? It's something you see on Sunday League. Yeah, it's just so frustrating that we can dominate the first half and play well, like Jugdy says. Um, but going 1-0 down for, for just naivety, really. I don't understand why 12 minutes in the game, we have to be pressing that high as a team. Every single player was within the... Um, well, even the the centre circle, further on than the centre circle, in one quarter of the pitch. If you if you pause it when they win the ball and Alana plays the ball through, it does look like a Sunday League schoolboy game where every single person on the pitch is in that one quarter, apart from Welbeck who senses the opportunity. And um, I, I think I, I I don't want to say it's arrogance from Villa, but you know we're, we're playing well. We're off the back of a good result last week. Um, or before the international break. But you don't have to be over-dominant, over-aggressive on the press, really trying to insert yourself, assert yourself on the game 12 minutes in, where you do have to pay the opposition some respect. And I know we're there to win the game, but we've got 90 minutes to win the game. We haven't got to nick that ball there immediately and press as a, as a team so high up the pitch. Um, and, and we've lost the game because of it. And it's just moments like that that we still we still find creeping into our game. Um, and it is frustrating because there's so much potential, there's so much good play, there's so much dominance of, of possession and, and general um, positives to take. But it's a results business at the end of the day, and that was a bad result yesterday. Yeah, I mean, Chad, you make a you make a good point there um, around sort of naivety again, and I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. I, I know I, I keep saying, oh, you know, I'm not too disheartened, and you know, it's one of those games, and and it is one of those games. I do think, but then we've seen that with Leeds, we've seen that with Southampton, now we've seen it with Brighton. Away, obviously, we've been fantastic and, and definitely the counter-attacking style is suiting us, especially against the better teams, which was complete opposite of last year. Uh, but this year, we just seem to, I don't know, we just seem to want to impose ourselves on games and 
And I've just, that naivety is, is creeping back in. Uh, and, and again, I thought, you know, we'll come on to the second half in a minute, but there was naivety in that second goal again in terms of the way that we defended that ball. Um, and just Brighton, really, I think, you know, we had most of the ball that first half. We had most of the chances. We looked completely on top of the game, really, until they scored that goal. Um, it came out of nowhere because Brighton weren't really in the game at all. Um, uh, but then after that, every time Brighton went forward on the counter, we looked a bit susceptible. Uh, and I especially think McGinn and Louise in, in centre midfield, you know, both been fantastic for us this season. And that two-man midfield has been really the, the foundation for a lot of our victories this season. But they were both very, very poor. Uh, and I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that both looked very tired. Um, from, you know, Louise has been in Brazil. He's been playing... Uh, you know, World Cup, or, um, sorry, South American qualifying games and McGinn's obviously playing some high profile games as well for Scotland. Um, it's difficult at the same time uh, to come back into the Premier League and go straight back into it after maybe one or two days rest, playing three games in a row. I mean, Shazzy, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on firstly, um, you know, how we adapt to having international players and playing these internationals, but also the fact that they're playing three games in a row in a week? Yeah, I think it does highlight that we do need a bit of strength in depth, don't we? I think it is interesting that he didn't... I know Hurahan's obviously been away as well playing, but I think Hurahan would have been fresher than Louise, who's travelled around the world, and McGinn, who's been on the piss for two weeks, celebrating that Scotland qualification. Um, certainly played like he had been, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, can't knock him. He, he's knackered and um, he does he does graft his bollocks off for the team, but... Very sloppy yesterday, and he, I'm sure he'll be the first to admit that's not his best performance in Villa shirt. But yeah, it, it does highlight that we do need a bit more depth in January. And like Jugsy says, you're sort of a, a victim of your own success, really. We've we've got some good players now, and by having good players, they're going to get international recognition. They're then going to go away and, and play more games and do a lot more travelling. And therefore, if you're going to be successful, you've got to back that up with a, a, a deeper squad. So I think that's a long-term project, isn't it? We're not going to necessarily address that in January, but if we can have a relatively good season this season and want to kick on next season, there does need to be some more strength in depth that that Smith trusts to to play uh, and rotate the squad. But um, we we definitely did suffer from from that international break. We we did we looked leggy yesterday, um, like you've already said, and um, we. Um, we, we we didn't really have the legs to go and, to go and get back in the game when we really needed to in that last 20 30 minutes yeah i think the barkley injury was the probably probably the biggest negative for, for me from yesterday losing him i'm obviously not sure how serious that is but you can see smith scratching around about what to do and he made a quite a positive change i think putting Torre in in the middle there and initially i think Torre came on did did really well looked quite sort of composed, made some nice passes, some nice link-up play. But I think I, I said on the group straight away where we had to watch Lamptey because obviously he was getting a lot of the ball. So he had to switch that and put Trezeguet on the left just for the defensive cover. But again, going forward, I'm not sure what is the best solution if Barkley's missing for a few games. Do we put Hurahan in there because obviously set pieces are, are key? Or do we go with Torore again central? I'm not sure about that. I don't think Jack was as, as effective central. I know uh, Brighton defended quite deep and uh, Ben White was sort of man-marking man him in the end. But it just, it was tough to get him on the ball. And in the last five, 10 minutes, he saw him drift back out wide, left. And I've actually realised that position on the left is his, is his best position to impact the game because that's his best place of getting the ball. 
Um, so again, it's a tough one for Smith to think about whether we go with again sort of a Nakamba and Louise um, as a double pivot, and then McGinn in that sort of attacking role because we know what McGinn's capable of in the final third. Um, what do you guys think? What what would be your sort of solution to Barkley missing the next few games? Who would you sort of get in there? Yeah, I think it's it's a good point. I think um depends on the fixtures, isn't it? I don't think Nakamba's gonna get much of a look in this season. Does he does he put Horahan um alongside Louise in the double pivot, like you say, and push McGinn further forward? i I totally agree, Jack's best position is off the left and that's becoming clear now. So I don't think we we should move move our best player around. I think that's where he's most effective. So I think Jack should stay on the left-hand side. And uh, to be honest, I don't think Traore did, did too badly when he came on yesterday. So maybe you give Traore another chance in the hole behind in the hole behind Watkins um, and just make sure that he does as much defensive work as Barkley does because that's one of Barkley's main strengths this season in that he's been supporting Watkins so well on that press and the intelligence of the press that we've talked about in the last few weeks. So... I think West Ham away, uh, they're a good side and that'll be a tough fixture. So it, it will be very interesting to see whether Smith does pick the sort of more attacking option of Traore or brings in Hal Rahan or Nakamba to sit Louise and pushes McGinn a bit further forward. It will be um, quite, it will demonstrate his belief in the, in the squad really and um, whether he's willing to rotate a bit more depending on the fixtures. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think West Ham as well are, uh, you know, they're very much a counter-attacking side as well, uh, a bit like us, um, and they rely so much on Antonio up front to get them high up the pitch. They defend deep, they defend well under Moyes. They're very disciplined uh, uh, and they're very rigid in their formation. And they got the likes of Bowen and now Ben Rama uh, and you know Fornells etc who 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 do all the work up front uh, um so I'll be interested to see how we how we uh, how we approach that game I mean it may be better for us not to press so high against West Ham because yeah. I think that will play into their to their game plan maybe and maybe try and adapt a little bit and and I think you know McGinn we saw McGinn play as a number 10 for a little bit against Leicester and that obviously proved uh proved successful in the end well maybe not number 10 but definitely played further forward against Leicester in that second half uh, towards the end and, and he can definitely do a job there. I, I personally, I would, I would look to continue with Torre and give him a run of games because I, I thought he did fairly well, uh, especially first half. I thought he was really good. You know, he had that, uh, you know, he was good on the ball. He, he hardly ever lost it. He had a good shot on, uh, on target, which was, you know, good save by, by Matt Ryan. And then obviously the cross was fantastic for that goal as well. You know, that, that was Harahan-esque. That's what you know. That's what we've been missing in the team when Harahan has been out the side, and, and he was able to deliver that. And, and his other set pieces were pretty good as well. I do think though, where he differs is compared to Barkley, which is a point Chad's made, was his pressing isn't as effective as Barkley's at all um, because he's he's a bit more, uh, I say, more relaxed off the ball. Uh, it's probably his his uh, the way he plays. You know, he um, he's quite calm and composed on it and, and I think that reflects himself off the ball as well so he's not as probably as energetic as someone like Trezeguet or as Barkley um, or Watkins off the ball so I think for that very reason we might have to you know keep Troy in the side but maybe adapt the way that we play so we're not pressing so high and leaving ourselves open so it'd be interesting to see but I, I mean I, I think you know Jugsy made a point there about Lanty and, and the fact we switched Trezeguet uh, uh, off to the left-hand side and I could see why 
uh, why Smith did that. But we definitely lost a bit after yeah. that in the second half, especially where, where we didn't. We looked, we looked like we ran out of ideas. But I think at the same time, another reason why you know, we, we've been playing that way already. You know, Grealish has been staying high up the pitch for most of the season, hasn't been tracking back as much because we've allowed him to stay up. And, and that's why we played that two-man midfield because it's allowed McGinn and Louise to come and cover the fullbacks. But I think what we saw yesterday, and and this is a point, Jugsy, I'd, I'd, get, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, was both McGinn and Louise, you know, just looked very leggy and, and weren't at the races really, and McGinn especially. I mean, McGinn, looking at McGinn, I, I made this point yesterday, you know, I think he doesn't have the first touch, which is so important in Premier League football, of someone like Louise, of someone like Grealish or or Barkley. So his game is so much more reliant on the fact that he's got so much energy. Um, you know, he, he's 100 miles per hour all the time. He's box to box. You know, he's just so determined. When he loses that bit of energy, a bit of fitness, because his first touch isn't as good, then you see him making loose passes. You see him not winning second balls. Uh, and and I think we saw that yesterday with his sloppy passing, but also the, but the fact that both Louise and McGinn didn't cover their fullbacks very well or cover, you know, sort of pick up the pick up the spare man at all. I mean, what did you think of our of our two man midfield in that in that game yesterday, Jokes? Yeah, I thought McGinn was sloppy in possession, and he obviously I think it sets a tone, doesn't it? When you give the ball away, it just puts everybody on the back foot, and he did something similar against Arsenal where we were lucky to get away with that. Um, and yeah, just, I just thought um, Louise as well defensively, he's been he's been inconsistent this season. I'd say I think he's either been excellent or poor. There's not been not not much in between. Where last season, obviously, post-lockdown, he was one of our best player easily. But what I think is frustrating with Louise is he gets a lot of runners off him and he doesn't get back into that edge-of-the-box position quick enough for me. Where, where we see teams pulling crosses back, usually you expect your defensive midfield to cut that out. And I, th- and I think the second goal, there's potentially something that either McGinn or Louise should have got back in to clear that ball. And I know it's, it's one of those where it's hindsight and maybe cash sort of uh, lost his man or Troy didn't even get back to cover to help cash out either. So there's various sort of fingers we can point uh, at different players. But I thought it was it's just been a common theme, I think, this season where Louise is probably not as switched on defensively because he's probably not a natural defensive midfielder, really. He's a ball-playing midfielder. Do you know what I mean? He's a deep, deep-lying playmaker more than a... You know, like in Nakambas or, or, or like a George Boateng or someone like that, for example, his natural instinct yeah. isn't defence. Do you know what I mean? He's a that quite technical really player as well. When it seems to be the tactics that our, our back four will automatically all drop deep as soon as someone gets into that channel in behind the fullback. Um, Mings, Concer, the the fullback on the opposite side will all drop in basically to the six yard line, which leaves the rest of the penalty box open for the second runners of the attacking team. And you're spot on. That's exactly where you need your holding midfielder just to be sweeping up and clearing that sort of second line of defence. And that's that's that was evident a couple of times yesterday as well. Welbeck miscontrolled one, didn't he? Probably should have scored again. Um, and you're spot yeah. on with that. Um, and I think that is an area that, that they will need to address. But I think, you know, you talked about Solly March's finish. It's an excellent finish. Um and Welbeck's finish is an excellent finish. We've probably had five or six better chances where we haven't taken them. So, you know, sometimes it is all about the result and it's a results business. But, you know, they've taken their chances. They've been clinical when we've made the, the error here and there. We haven't. We've been a bit sloppy and wasteful in front of goal. 
Um, yeah, we've had a few players that haven't performed anywhere near the level we expect of them. And it's, it's a very frustrating result for us. But, you know, if the referee gives the penalty in the last minute, 2-2, two, two, having been behind twice with half our team having travelled around the world, very sloppy, very leggy, and losing Barkley in the first minute is actually quite a good result. We score the penalty. We're quite chirpy today. And <laughs> we're talking about how we've ground out a good 2-2 two, two result despite everything we've talked about. So, um, yeah, it, it, that just shows the fine margins in football, doesn't it? And how literally that score, the score line at the end of the day dictates our mood and dictates the rest of the week for us all. Whereas a bit of perspective, it's um, another yeah, one yeah. that sort of got away from us a bit. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And yeah, I think, you know, we haven't talked about all the chances we had, but yeah, it's why I'm not too disheartened because even the even though I was expecting us not to play that well and, and to be up against it a little bit, you know, we did play well, especially that first half. It's probably one of the yeah, better, better halves we've had all season, to be honest, deep. if you take away their goal. Yeah, exactly. And we were quite creative. The link-up play between Grealish and Traore and Target and even Trezeguet as well. And I thought Trezeguet was probably our best player that first half, even though he missed, you know, those two easy chances you know we had we had um those two easy chances we had the the sort of mings cross shot that ollie watkins should have really put his head on um i'm not really sure what what he did there we had the other cross from Grealish where ollie where ben white you know nicks it in front of him we had trezeguet's really good shot which just sort of whistled past the post uh you know those and, and trore shot as well we had various different chances and, and a header where mings completely missed it um you know it's, it was it was a really good first half second half you know chad's is right we looked yeah we, we looked worse as the game went on almost in terms of an, as an attacking threat and uh you know it was a, it was a set piece goal it was a great cross by trore whipped in with pace curled in and Konza did well to come in the back post and uh score that uh, and then apart from that we didn't really have too much uh, you know, in the way of chances, to be honest. You know, we were getting to the final third and having a lot of the ball, but we weren't really creating much because we were sitting quite deep. And that's where someone like Barkley would, would do really well. And I but... think I think we desperately need Keenan back as well, don't we? You know, that towards the end um, in that second half when he brought Al Ghazi on, he's whipping crosses into the box and, and we're having to play everything down the wide channel. Whereas, you know, Watkins isn't going to win much in the air against Dunk and, and the the sort of big lads that Brighton had at the back. So um, Davis would offer that more sort of target man approach where we can go to that plan B and get balls in the box and hopefully get get runners off him. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Chads. Um, and something that we sort of brought up where you can't rely on Davis's injury record because obviously he's, he's had quite a few injuries during his time at Villa. Um, so something we probably would look to address in January, I think. Um, maybe look to get another striker in because if anything happens to Watkins and you rely on Keenan Davis, it's going to be difficult because I don't think he's a player that can play week in, week out um, just from his injury record. And I know we've got Traore um, who can potentially play up there, but uh, we'll have to see what happens with that. Yeah, I mean, it shows the uh, you know the, the point that we've been making a few times now in this various podcast that we've recorded, the fact that you know we're definitely a work-in-progress team. You know, we've got some excellent players and definitely we're light years away from what we were last season, you know, in terms of how we set up as a team and, and how, and the quality that we have in the team. But, uh, you know, we've only got maybe 13, 14 really top standard players that are going to be top half standard. Uh, and beyond that, there's a little bit of a doubt uh, about the quality that we have, but it's why January is really important. And it's why patience is really important as well, because if we are going to be a mid table team, which we're more than likely 
to be, which is a massive improvement from last season, let's be honest, then there's going to be games like this. We're not going to win every game. Um, and there's going to be frustrating games. There's going to be annoying instances where we know we could have done better. Uh, and you're going to going to go away from games thinking, you know, we should have got more out of that game. Or if we just did X, Y, and Z, we would have you know, done better. But a lot of that will come down to the fact that, you know, we need a bit more extra quality in, in the team and it's going to take a bit of time. We need another year or two of building a squad and building that team around us um, before we get to that position where we are a consistent top eight, top 10 team and maybe beyond that top six team. Um, I, th- I think that's the key. I mean, before we sort of finish off the the episode, Chadzi, what, what, what are your final thoughts on not just the game, but also how we move forward now? Because obviously we've got these important games coming up, these next five games really that are all really, really winnable. Yeah, I think... Um... Just looking back on on the first eight games, Leeds is probably the only game where we've we've had our asses handed to us a bit. Really, it was uh, it was a, a bit of a masterclass that night from Leeds, and they battered us. But the last two home defeats, Southampton and Brighton, we've taken away positives. We've still had patches where we've played quite well. The goals we've conceded are easily um, correctable in terms of that they're sort of just obvious mistakes and obvious errors that. We can iron out, and we're still playing, still playing well. There's still plenty of positives to take, and uh, we still look a threat. You know, we take our chances, we win that game. Um, if Ward Prowse doesn't stick two in the top corner from set pieces, we probably win that game. So it's, it's quite easy to get downhearted by a couple of defeats, but we're still in the top six, having lost three consecutive home games. Yeah, and um, it's again, I seem to be saying the same thing after every home defeat, but. It's a really positive start to the season for us. It's like you said, we're light years away from where we were this time last year. We're not going down. We're going to finish somewhere between 8th and 15th, 14th. And I think it's going to be an exciting season. It's going to be ups and downs. And um, it's still a joy to watch Villa play, really. You know, I'm, I'm really enjoying the season. And I think that the next two games, West Ham and Newcastle, will sort of dictate or give us a bit more evidence of whether we're going to be a bit higher up in that mid-table echelon or lower down and sort of having a, a sort of 15th, 16th finish, would, which would be a bit disappointing. But, you know, after the Southampton game, we were a bit downhearted. We went to Arsenal and played them off the park. I wouldn't be surprised if we won five and then at West Ham. You know, I, would, I wouldn't surprise we won one bit. So let's see what happens. Jugs, I mean, going forward now, how do you think we how do you think we improve? What what aspects of our game do you think we need to improve to to get better and and try and make the most out of these next few games? Yeah, I think it's just down to again fine margins and a bit of luck. I think early on, especially as a defensive unit, we just need to be switched on. Like, I don't want to see sort of uh, sort of a miss clearance or just something that doesn't set the right tone. It's all about standards. I think I think as a team, you just got to set the right tone and be on it from the first first whistle. And I think, yeah, I think it was just frustrating, again, like Southampton game where we were naive and gave stupid fouls away. Yesterday, I just thought we were, yeah, just poor defensively. I mean, we just didn't look composed and collective as a unit. And I think that's something that Smith would look to address. And I know we've played well defensively and we've kept clean sheets against the likes of, you know, Arsenal, which is, no, yeah, it's a great achievement. But it's just an area where I can see, we don't want to see that creeping back in where we're making mistakes at the back because mistakes at the back cost goals and it's very hard to recover when you're 1-0 down in this league. Um, But yeah, I think overall, um, plenty of positives. I mean, we still created enough chances yesterday to win the game and we didn't really play that well. 
Um, I think with that, with Barkley missing, we are going to be over-reliant on Grealish, but I was really positive with Trezeguet's performance again. He did look a threat and he lo- did look like he could link up with Cash. And I think that'd be something that will be quite evident in the next few weeks. I think Cash is getting more and more confident and we'll see a lot more from him going forward. And I think that the key is what we do with the Barkley replacement. I think that will define us in the next few games. Um, Traore was, was good, but I don't think he's natural in that position. And... As, as you mentioned, he's not that high-intensity player uh, that we probably suited to our style. We need someone on the front foot, not on the back foot. And uh, it'd be interesting to see what Smith would do. Um, obviously, we're probably... It's a difficult one. I mean, I wouldn't, I, won't, I wouldn't be sure about who to put in there. But obviously, Smith knows his players. He knows what, what the team setup is going to be like for West Ham. Um, so I'm backing him to, to make the right decision. Uh, just on the defensive issues, I think the main thing for me, which we can we can easily address this it, and it, hopefully not too simplistic of you, but it really does feel like a mentality thing for me. You know, when we play Arsenal, when we play Leicester, the games after lockdown last season, Arsenal and some of the great results we ground out at the end of the season, we had to keep clean sheets to stay up. We had to keep clean sheets if we had any chance of winning those games. And it was a mentality thing. You know, you could see the whole back four was switched into it. Mings was leading. Every second ball, we won it. If it needed to go long, we went long. We were sharper. We were more aggressive. And that was the same last week against Arsenal and away at Leicester and, and some of the good defensive performances we've had um, in the last couple of months. But then we play some of the, as you would say, weaker sides and it doesn't seem to be the same mentality. You know, we, we're sloppier and, and we make the, the naive mistakes we've talked about. So I just think Villa need to humble themselves a bit and not get carried away. You know, every single team in this league has got world-class quality players that will punish you at any minute. So we have to be we have to be there mentally. And I just hope that I hope that we don't. You know, we we looked a bit arrogant for me in that first half defensively yesterday. We didn't treat Brighton with the same respect that we treated Arsenal. So let's just hope that's lesson learned now because we've we've had three home defeats where we've conceded quite a few goals. But we know we're more than capable of keeping clean sheets if we get it right. So. Just, I just hope we, we do learn from that. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think um, that was evident in the fact from the first goal and how we defended that goal, you know. Um, um, hopefully that we, we can sort of get that out of our game. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be games in the future and the rest of the season where we will make mistakes and, and things won't go for us. But the key is not to do that on a consistent basis and also try and get back to winning ways at home as well. You know, it's three in a row now that's uh, it's, it's gone against us. So, you know, end of the day, you know, Chaz is right. You know, that VAR caught at the end. If, if we we get that, if that gets, if that gets, uh, doesn't get overturned, then, you know, we get a pen. Hopefully we score. It's 2-2. We're coming away feeling pretty positive and getting a good result uh, and a good draw. But, you know, we're still sixth in the table. We're still... Uh, you know, still got a game in hand over the couple of teams above us as well. Um, you know, it's 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 been a, a much better start than we could have hoped for. So the key now is obviously to try and capitalise on these games that we've got coming up and uh, try and find a way of playing without Barkley. Um, and I you know I think uh, Smith said yesterday that he's uh, Barkley was pretty hopeful that he, he won't be out for too long. Uh, it was more of a more of a yeah a feeling he had in the hamstring and he didn't want to risk it so hopefully that's good news for us but we will wait and see see what comes back but thanks both for your time uh, as ever interesting thoughts and some excellent insight uh, and you know i think the overall feeling for villa fans should be frustration yes but also uh, optimism as well i think uh, and a bit of hope that you know even though we we lost the game we did play well after 
having lots of players, like you say, traveling halfway around the world and, and, and being a bit leggy and not being at our best, we still created plenty, plenty of chances and still played fairly well against a team who defended deep. And, 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 and let's be honest, Brighton have one of the best in terms of, uh, you know, XG against, if you, if we look at that, and I know people say, I know people um, question XG a little bit and I do a little bit as well, but I think you've got to look at it in context. You know, they, they haven't, they haven't conceded that many chances this season, so they are very good defensively. So, you know, so that gives me a bit of hope. But anyway, you know, that's it. We move forward. West Ham next. Uh, and we look ahead now and uh, we'll be back next week with obviously a, a match preview of that alongside the late, uh, well, sorry, end of this week. We'll be back with a match preview and uh, and, the, and the late night ramble as well. And then the boys will be back to uh, to review that game um, on Monday night. Uh, so we've got nine days off now. So hopefully again, a bit of time off to get, get back to uh, fitness and get some rest in those legs as well. But boys, thank you for your time again. Cheers, bud. Cheers, arms. Uh, and apart from that, uh, please do subscribe and follow us on on whatever podcast platform you're on. If you're on Apple, then please re- leave a review and rating. Um, and uh, yep, please do uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're at Villa Podcast, all one word. Yep, but apart from that, thanks for your time and up the Villa. Up the Dino. Let's go, lads. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it.